0: Hey everybody and welcome to Well Said, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's podcast where we talk with students, faculty, and staff about what's going on on campus and around the world. And today we're talking about women in government leadership roles with Lisha DeHart Davis, an associate professor at the UNC School of Government. The best place for us to start today is first understanding the current demographics in government. So when looking at women in leadership roles in the government, what are some of the demographics there? How many women are actually holding these roles? So
1: it depends on what level of government you're talking about. Our focus here at the School of Government is on cities and counties and also at the state level. But right now we're collecting data on cities and counties. North Carolina has 100 counties and about 20 of those counties have women who are the managers So what that means is that 20% of county managers in North Carolina are women. It's roughly the same percentage for cities as well. Now, to give you a point of comparison, 21% of the U.S. Senate is made up of women, about 19% of the U.S. House. 25% of state legislators are also women. So you're seeing the numbers hover at around 20%, depending on which part of the world that you're looking at. It takes 30% of an organization to be made up of some underrepresented group in order for that organization to start to change and to be more representative. So that's why these numbers are so important.
0: Do we know the reason for this gender imbalance? Do we know why women aren't running
1: for leadership roles in government? There are a number of factors that have created kind of a perfect storm of gender imbalance. First and foremost, sometimes we find that women believe that they can't handle these jobs and have a family. I know that I have Master's of Public Administration students who are women who will say to me, I'm not sure that I can be in the top position and have a life. And actually, we know from a number of women who are in leadership positions in North Carolina and across the state that it can be done. A second challenge is that sometimes women don't consider themselves qualified to hold the top job because we know from research that... Women hold higher standards for themselves whenever they're deciding to pursue a position. So they want to make sure that they fit the position to the T rather than just fitting some of the qualifications, applying, and see where seeing where it goes. So we know from the research that if women don't fit all the qualifications, that they're less likely to apply. And then you have a, a third factor, which is implicit bias related to gender. Research tells us that men have a small edge over women in being selected for leadership positions. But research indicates that if women play the game just a little bit differently, that they can be on a level playing field with men. So if you put these challenges together, that women are less likely to pursue the positions and that men have a slight edge over women in competing for these positions, you have the perfect storm for creating gender imbalance. And the good news is that women can make progress in pursuing these leadership positions, all of these challenges can be overcome.
0: Have these numbers been the trends throughout the years, or is this something that has spiked
1: and declined over time? At the local government level, the percentage of women has been low for actually about 30 years, but we're starting to see an uptick. About two years ago, that figure was more like 11%. So right now we're at 20% of local government managers in North Carolina who are women. Two years ago, that was 11%. So on the upside, that figure is increasing, and that's a good thing. On the downside, though, to have only 20% of your leaders be women indicates that you've got an artificially narrow talent pool. Okay, so I think that takes us to the big
0: question here, and that is, why is it so important that we do solve this gender imbalance problem
1: in government? Any profession or occupation or field that's dominated by one particular group, it indicates that your talent pool is artificially narrow if you had a college team, whether that was football or basketball, where your players all came from the same state of the university, it would suggest that something is wrong with that team's recruiting practices. Now, you could claim that the state produced a disproportionate number of excellent players, basketball or football, but that explanation doesn't really make sense, and the same goes for public service. Gender balance in public service leadership is important for a number of reasons. First and foremost, gender balance makes any organization more effective. We have a fair amount of private sector literature that suggests that when companies have women on their boards, they're more profitable. From a public service perspective, it means that you've got a range of perspectives that inform decision-making. It's not just one perspective. So that's one reason. Organizations and communities become better with more gender-balanced leadership. But a second reason has to do with this concept of representative bureaucracy. The idea of representative bureaucracy is that government organizations should look like the people that they serve. Because doing so conveys to citizens that the organization is accessible and it's fair. And we know from research that citizens see greater legitimacy in representative bureaucracies and they are more likely to cooperate with them. So increasingly, citizens are aware that when any one demographic group dominates a government organization, it looks funny. It it looks not necessarily legitimate. So I predict that one day, it will not be acceptable for any public organization to be dominated by any one gender or race. And that, at the local government level, will be police, fire, uh, social services, health and human services that, across the board citizens will expect to see representative bureaucracies. So how do we get there? Is there actually a roadmap to solve this problem? That's actually the good news of this scenario, that there are things that we can do to create more gender-balanced government organizations. Part of it has to do with uh, women themselves, women who are interested in public service leadership. There are things that you can do to land those top positions, and the first of which is... uh, you need to be very deliberate about building networks of both women and men who will support your career. That's critically important, and the research suggests that actually men are better, have better networks than women do in general. But all that takes is intentionality in terms of building a network that can help coach you and mentor you in your career. Applying for a range of positions is also important. You may have heard about the research that suggests that women want to check off every single box in the job description before they apply. So the new strategy needs to be apply whether you fit that job to a T or not. You may think that you're not qualified, but actually you probably are qualified. Having a long-term game plan for yourself helps. We also need to get men to the table. There are so many men that I know who are really interested in seeing women pursue leadership positions. But they don't necessarily know how to help. So that's one thing that we're doing at the School of Government is we're trying to figure out ways to integrate men into this conversation. And finally, hiring authorities, the people who do the hiring can be trained in implicit bias and the ways that you can overcome it. Resumes that are solicited can be blinded right up front so that you are judging people on their merits and not their gender or their race. If you're using a search firm, if you're a hiring authority and you're using a search firm, you can instruct that search firm that you want a gender and racially balanced talent pool from which to select final applications. There is not a quick fix to this situation. It's going to take intentionality by the women who are interested in public service leadership positions and also by the institutions that promote gender balance in public service. And that includes the UNC School of Government. So what is the UNC School of Government doing to solve this problem? So at the School of Government, we have a program called Engaging Women in Public Service, where we do research, teaching, and service with the goal of equipping women to pursue top-level leadership positions in government. This can be state or local. It can be cities or counties, appointed positions, or elected positions, The most important thing about our work is that it's nonpartisan. So we are not Republican or Democrat. We are not conservative or liberal. We believe in good government, and we believe that good government requires pulling from the very best talent pool. Thanks for listening to the podcast today.
0: Check back to unc.edu next week for another episode of Well Said, or subscribe on iTunes or Android.